Hey everybody, Josh Best coming back at you here with another episode of CRE with CBC and continuing our series with our board of advisors. We have Bob Fredrickson that joined us in the conversation and I had a fantastic conversation with him about a lot of really solid uh, concepts and, and philosophical approaches to the business. Bob talks a little bit about his history and how he got into this industry and, and his company and started a commercial franchise. He he also talks a little bit about what it looks like to be effective in our current market and does a little bit of future predicting on where we might go, the things that we might see, and how you can insulate and prepare yourself for uh, the market that's coming up. Bob talked about a couple of key concepts in the idea of being aligned with your purpose and driving towards that purpose and setting up some key roadblocks so that you know when you have moved away from your purpose that you can get right back and centered on what your purpose is and how you can achieve it. He talked about the idea of the difference between your clients and your customers and how do we identify who those folks are that are truly invested in us as their real estate professional. Those are our clients. And who are those folks that we need to move from one or two transactions or deals into that client space? So how do we identify a customer versus a client? And then how do we take a customer and turn them into a client? So a lot of great philosophy, a lot of great wisdom, and a fantastic approach to a steady and thriving commercial real estate business from Bob. Have a listen, enjoy, just like I did having the conversation. We'll see you on the other side. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of CRE with CBC. I am one of your three hosts, Josh Best, and we are continuing our Board of Advisors series to allow our audience to get to know the folks who guide the decision-making and help influence the future of our company of Coldwell Banker Commercial. Today, we have with us Bob Fredrickson, who is the president of CBC Danforth. Bob, thank you for joining. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you with us, and and I'm looking forward to it as well, um, Bob. I could I could run through your many credentials, uh, and we could spend the entire 45 minutes doing that. I'm sure, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, just let us know who you are, how you came to commercial real estate in in a brief sense. We'll dig more into that in a bit. How you came to commercial real estate, and then uh, how you came to be on our board of advisors. Okay, I will shorten it up here. But uh, yeah, no, so I got started at Coldwell Banker in 1992. And I was teamed up with my current business partner, Dave Danforth. And we were on the residential side doing residential real estate and the occasional commercial opportunity would come along. And we really enjoyed working on those types of transactions. And then um, so from 90 uh, until 1996, we're under a non-compete with CBRE because they bought Coldwell Banker Commercial back in 86. And so there's a 10-year non-compete. So then um, 1996 came along. We had an opportunity to buy a franchise. We did that. We bought the CBC franchise. We were one of the first ones in and uh, never looked back. So that uh, that was our first move into commercial real estate. And that um, decision, so that it sounds like that was something that you were kind of waiting on until that non-compete was over. What made you want to dive in other than we do the occasional deal, we want to learn more about it. What was the opportunity that you saw? Well, I, I think we had clients from our residential side that were 
commercial clients. We had like a paving company and some other people that we really enjoyed working with. We just like the idea of commercial real estate and the analytics behind it and the math behind it. Um, we, I, I liked how you could, um, you know, analyze a property and it really became a, a, a math problem or a story problem. And, and you know, you, you could lay it out to your clients and it's just, it's just an easier sell, in my opinion, you know, yeah. from, from that standpoint. Is that, you know, we're, we're seeing all of this news and all of this um, information about current state of commercial, especially in city centers and that kind of thing. Do you have that same approach to the business that you had when you got into it in 96 of this is a, a numbers business? If they table, they table. If they don't, they don't. Or do you suggest shifting that mindset for our current market? No, I think I think that's the the backbone behind what we do at Coldwell Banker Commercial in general and Coldwell Banker Commercial Danforth. Um, all of commercial real estate, the backbone of that of it is the analytics and and what works and what doesn't. And even if it is a speculative deal, because we do a lot of development sites, we do a lot of industrial development and multifamily developments, those are not, you're not looking at a actual PL, you're looking at a performa. So you are, you're you're speculating still. Um, it just comes down to how aggressive you want to be on that speculation. And then we leave that up. We know we, we lay out ranges for our clients and mm. we listen to the client and then their consultants. And then we make a decision, you know, a go or no go decision, especially on these developments that are so speculative and a lot of money is going to go out to complete the project. So when you think about your history in the business and, and with CBC, you've built a successful organization a longstanding track record of of success and of of client satisfaction. Can you talk a little bit about any uh, lessons that you've learned that you would want to to share over the time frame that you've been doing this? What are some of the key things that maybe somebody who is new to the business or or thinking about getting into it? What's what's some things that they might need to know or think about as they dive into commercial real estate? Um, you know, it's a marathon, not a race treat your, you know, it, it really comes down to the basics, know what you're talking about, be more knowledgeable of the product that you're working on than, than the client is, or as knowledgeable as the client is. So know your stuff. Don't let a commission check influence a decision. So that, that, and that's critical. And the clients see that when, when you're not letting those commissions influence decisions. And so really, you know, and all that with that all being said, it just comes down to treating somebody's property like it's your own and doing what you would do for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and then you do that for a long time and people start coming back in droves. Yeah. And so, you know, you do that for 10, 15 years, you'll get a lot of return customers. And next thing you know, you've got a great foundation and a great business. And that's that's what we've done. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because, you know, we we have co-taught our, our financial analysis class for CRE Win, which is mostly focused on those new agents. But I think it's a lesson that expands past that as well. That idea of don't make decisions based on the commission check. I think that's that's it's a good thing to say and a good mindset to be in. But when it comes down to it, you know, that is the nature of the business is we are it is it is a business in which we are trying to earn a commission check. Right. Um, how do you how do you go about in your daily practice? How do you separate the two? How do you look at the philosophy of of don't think of the commission check, treat the property as your own. 
how do you separate those? How do you focus just on the the client and the property? Well, I think, you know, I think it's knowing your worth. I mean, it's okay. I mean, trust me, I talk to my clients about what the commission is going to be on a deal and how much they're going to spend on commission at the end of the day, right out of the gate. And uh, we know the value that we bring to the to the deal. And um, I think the key to that is, is you need to bring it up early while they still, I mean, the key, the key to getting your, getting the commission conversation just out of the way Mm -hmm. is you bring it up early while the client needs you, you know, while you're, you you don't let it, you don't kind of kick it under the table as the relationship builds to a listing agreement. Mm -hmm. You, You have it out front right at the beginning as they need your, you know, when they need your services and they need your help and advice, and they know that, you know, these other people that can make this deal come together, you know, you have that commission conversation early to where they're excited, where they should be excited because you're going to bring a lot of value to them and they're going to make potentially more money when, when you sell the property, because hopefully we're going to get multiple offers or whatever, whatever the deal is. Um, But bring it up early Mm -hmm. because you know, once you get the listing agreement signed, that's fine. A lot of deals we do are off-market deals. Mm-hmm. So we're bringing together clients on transactions where all of a sudden there's going to be a purchase and sale agreement. And so the last thing you want to have happen is a purchase and sale agreement gets kind of started and you haven't had a commission conversation with your client. So you need yeah. you need to have that. You need to just be open with that conversation early on because as soon as the client knows who the buyer is and everybody's together, there's a potential you could get kicked to the curb and you all you've been doing is good, honest, hard work and using your resources that you've cultivated over the last, however long you've been in the business, it'll bite you in the ass. And I, I, I've just learned that through experience. So trust me on that one. (laughs) So that, that upfront conversation direct, here's, here's what it is after that, continue the relationship. When you, when you work with, clients in your your building business maybe your prospecting business or you're you're working with folks that are returning like you mentioned you'll have a lot of folks come back if that's your approach to the business right um how do you maintain or establish and maintain relationships uh with with your clients what does that look like for you current clients listings um you know we we send out updates to our clients on a on a four to six week basis. We make sure those updates go out consistently. Um, Too often, I think brokers tend to, if something's not moving, something's not selling, they'll kind of forget about that and months can go by without Mm -hmm. touching that client. So I think your current deals that you've got in, you know, listings that you're working on that are within your corral, um, you need to keep in great communication with those with those sellers and and most of my sellers I talk to all the time but there are some that might not get touched and so just making sure you have that mechanism in place where you're going to reach out to them on a monthly four to six week basis is critical um so that's one thing we do what about for those folks that are maybe in in the market new to the market they're looking for who their real estate professional is or they don't even know that they need a real estate professional. How are you communicating with those folks? How are you uh, convincing them that you are their real estate professional? We do a lot of that. And and we try to focus on, and it could be a new broker that, that's working with us or, or experienced brokers. 
but we focus on what we've had success on in the past. And so um, for us, we, you know, we, we, we point to recently, we've been doing a lot of multifamily development sites. So um, we have a lot of cachet with multifamily developers. So we can show, we've got a great resume of, you know, eight, eight to 10 significant 250 unit plus um, development sites that we've sold to multifamily developers over the last couple of years. So we have that resume put together. We blast email the developers. We call them. Um, we talk to them just day to day because we're doing deals with them already. So we just remind them what we've done. Mm -hmm. And then with that, they know that we that we uncover a lot of good opportunities for them. And in, in that case, they're calling us in a lot of instances, asking what we've got going on. So it's a perfect, it's a great call to get. So that that idea of, and I'm just recapping for our folks listening, that idea of the proven track record that you've established over time, and then marketing the heck out of that and talking to your folks about these, we, we are experts in this space because here's a sample of the deals that we've done. Here's the, the returns that we've gotten for our mm -hmm. clients. This is why you'd want to do business with us. Oh, by the way, I'm going to keep up with you in a relationship that doesn't have anything to do with the transaction right. so that when you're ready, you know that I'm your person and that you're going to call me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes for any type of commercial real estate. You know, if, if you're new to the business, you know, you're going to be using your office's track record. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to utilize that. If you've got one listing, utilize that one listing and just take over, try to take over that, that, that small market area or the sub market that that listing is in. Um, wherever you've got a, a foothold, that's where you want to start and then build it from there. And it, it's funny how it blossoms and it's, crazy what directions your career is going to take as you have different opportunities and you capitalize on those opportunities to meet and greet other players in that type of commercial real estate all of a sudden you'll get a you know you'll get multiple you know maybe listings or just people saying hey i'd like to find this that or the other and all of a sudden you're a retail investment specialist or your uh, industrial land person, you know, it, it, it can point you in directions that you wouldn't expect to have yeah. happen, or you wouldn't something that you wouldn't have kind of tried thought your direction would take you. But so that's kind of the cool part about our, our industry. Yeah, it can be different and and you can let it guide you a little bit versus trying to control <laughs> where where you're going and become an expert in a lot of different things. Can you talk a little bit more about that cuz I know that your your background is is one that I I could listen to for hours I think cuz you you didn't start out you didn't go to college and think to yourself I'm going to be a commercial or, or a real estate professional I'm going to I'm you didn't you didn't right. go for you know a sales background anything like that can you talk a little bit about how you got into the industry and then how you built the company that you you've built what was your entry point and and your history you know I I think I've always been drawn to sales I have friends that I still work with, uh, the Byron Hiller, who runs our property management division. I've known him since, you know, we were five years old. We were, we were neighbors and his mom owned a real estate company when we were kids. And so I just watched her doing her thing. And I've always thought that looked like fun coming out of high school. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't go to college. I got a job at Boeing. I was a mechanic and for five years I worked on the B2 bomber and it was a lot of fun, but that, that experience um, and and actually just the salary, I was able to buy and sell a couple houses, I had some roommates and kind of got into 
real estate that way. And I saw a lot of brokers coming through my house when I would sell things. Um, and I was just kind of like, I could do that. <laughs> I could do that better than that person. So that's what got me into it. And so yeah. uh, just just kind of being around the game growing up and, um, and, 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 you know, being at Boeing, it was a great job, great, great salary. I was able to do a lot of things with it. I, I love the company, but um, there was definitely a ceiling. And mm-hmm. so at that point, you know, you're 22 years old and you're like 22, 23 years old. I was like, I didn't need a ceiling anymore. And so a career in real estate, there isn't a ceiling. It's just however hard you want to work at it is what you're going to get out of it. And so I, I, I was drawn to that too and being my own boss and all those other things that are nice about it. Um, but you got to be okay with living on a commission check. So yeah. I found I find that exciting. So I it was it was it was fun. So yeah. Are there because I think that that's a uh, a common thing in this industry is that folks come to it maybe after they've explored a different career option or they come to it um, because of of a similar mindset where you know I've I've been at a place where I wasn't my own boss. I've been at a place where I did have a ceiling or a cap. So if I've been at that place that had a cap, I've been at a place where there was a ceiling or I've I've thought to myself, I want to do something where I am more in charge of my own destiny and my own uh, future. How did that transition for you into where you are now, leading an organization, kind of exploring new and cutting edge things that your group is doing to stay fresh and stay relevant? Can you talk about that that sort of day-to-day exploration of what's possible? Yeah, I think it, a couple things. First, it goes back to what we previously talked about and how cool this industry is because you never know what direction your your career is going to take because mm-hmm. you don't know who's going to call you and who you're going to talk to and what the opportunity might be because it could be a total 180 from what you were doing. Mm-hmm. So that that happens and that's part of what, you know, led me to where I am today. I didn't when I got into real estate, I didn't wasn't thinking commercial. Yeah. I was thinking I was going to be a residential realtor. But um, so there's that. And then the other the other thing is just going into work every day with a purpose, you know, and not, I mean, you got to treat, I think, you know, before I got into real estate, I always had a nine to five job where I had to be there. You had, mm. you had to be there at 6 a.m. and you'd clock out at three. So um, I think having that work ethic on a daily basis and working smart, not just spinning your wheels, but working smart towards something is the, those are the two main things that I mean, the, the working every day and working smart is the main thing. Yeah. Good things will happen. You'll create opportunities for yourself. Um, you know, really that's, that's the bottom line. You, know, you need yeah. to come in and work hard and look at, look at your peers around you in the office and glean off their experience and utilize their experience and co-list with them, learn as much as you can. And Next thing you know, you'll be you'll have a lot of opportunities. And that's what life's about is creating opportunities for yourself. I, I love what you said there about know, know what you your purpose is or know that you have a purpose. I, I'm sure that you've discovered yours over your time doing this work. Can you talk a little bit about what you find your purpose to be? And then I've got a follow-up question after that. But what what is the what is your purpose in this industry? I think what I like to do the most, and this doesn't always happen, but I like to educate my clients mm-hmm. so they understand clearly what they're what they're doing. A lot of my clients 
know what they're doing and they know the math behind it and they know you know they they're more experienced than i am in many cases but majority of our clients you know we're teaching them about whatever it is in in the real estate industry and just making sure that they understand it and um come out of the transaction a little a little smarter and and feel good about what they've done so that's that, that's one of my main goals. It doesn't always happen, I have to say, but but some people don't want to learn. They just want you to take care of it and they want to, you know, if they just have that trust in you that you're going to do it, that's all they want. And so um, I've got clients like that and those clients are great. But um, just trying to educate my my clients is one of the things that I like to do day to day. Yeah, and I think that that education leads to a level of certainty and trust. And like you said, that repeat, uh, they they want to come back to you because you make them feel. I, I used to have a leader that always talked about that people don't know how or don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. If I know that I can trust you and that you have my best interest in mind and that you are going to educate me on the ins and outs of a deal, mm -hmm. I am way more likely to want to return and do more business with you. So I love that thought as, as, an, as a purpose statement of, of being able to educate your clients. One, one other way I think oh, yeah. about it too is in my my cousin, Joe Preston, he was president of a large commercial real estate firm here in Seattle. And um, he always said, and I, this is this is a great quote, what he said, you know, he goes, you have clients and you have customers. And he's he's like a good, good commercial broker has, you know, eight or so clients. And a client is somebody who calls you you know, you are their person. They're always going to call you. If some other broker calls in with a smoking deal, they're going to call you and vet it out first. Mm -hmm. They're going to call you for everything. So that's a client. Customers, just someone you've done a deal or two with, you know, yeah. you're trying to pull them into the client corral, but you, you've got a lot of customers, but you've got these clients who are tried and true. And so yeah. you, you got to work, you know, if you're new, you're working towards getting your first client and, you know, and you try to work that up to a decent number. And, you'll be doing well. That's a, that's a really good thought. I, I like that as uh as, as a guiding principle of who is in my client group and who's in my customer group. And then how do right. I take those in the customer group and shift them to the client group? I think that's a really good way to, to think about it with that, with the, with the thought around education of your clients, you know, moving folks from the, from the customer to the client group, when you, I'm sure there have been times in your career where you may have drifted from that. How do you identify when you're moving away from your purpose and how do you get back to driving towards your purpose? Oh, I don't know. That's a tough question. Um, you know, I think I, I, I've got an answer for you now that I think about it a little bit. I, I, I think what happens is we just, we, we get, we're, we're too busy something that I tend to do is that I'm, you know, I'm not the greatest delegator. So I tend to try to do a lot of things myself and I don't lean on the other brokers in my office sometimes because I just want to handle it and make sure it's taken care of. But mm -hmm. that can get overwhelming and, you know, to be honest, very stressful. And, and so, so I, I think that's where if I notice that I might be kind of stressed out or I've got way too many things and my I'm looking at my my work list and I can't finish it, that's where I need to kind of stop, reevaluate what's going on, delegate and bring it back to our, you know, what what I need to do as a as a broker who's running an organization and I'm doing deals too. 
-hmm. But um, what I need to do to do that efficiently, and then uh, you know the same things with same thing with my brokers. But I think that's where I see when things start to so to speak spin out of control is when I'm trying to do too much and I just need to delegate a little bit better. That, that makes sense. I think that we can, that's a relatable thought of, of you look at your to-do list in your calendar for the day. And it's like, wow, where did, where did this stuff come from? Why am I doing it? What is, what's is the reason that I need to be involved in it? And then what of those things can I trust others to do effectively so that I can focus on the things that are my main purpose in this, in this business? I want to shift gears a little bit because I think I think we've talked a, a lot towards the idea of being new to the business and and some strategies there. You have also been doing this for a while and been successful for a while. Can you talk to maybe some of those individuals who are listening that have been in this business for a while? How do you stay fresh with the things that you're doing? How do you not get in ruts and just repeat the same thing over and over again? Like, what are you looking to for inspiration and how are you staying fresh in the, in the industry? I think um, a couple things. I think teaming with other brokers that you might not have thought to team with on, on listings or, you know, buyer rep projects. I think that's good. It's kind of like in sports, um, you know, if you're a tennis player, you know, you, you can't play your friends all the time. You got to play, you know, some different people to improve your game. So um, I think it's good to team up with other people, people that you look at and notice that you have, a, they've got a different skill set. So to do that, I think that helps a ton and it really ramps up the learning curve. And then the other thing is getting out and networking, you know, going to the CBC conference, that's important. Going to your local CCIM meetings or Rotary or Chamber or whatever type of networking it is, that that can keep you, um, you know, seeing what other people are doing and keep you keep things fresh too. And yeah. you're moving in the right direction and just so you don't stagnate. Yeah, that's, I, I think those are great thoughts of, I, I love that idea of, of uh, yeah, playing tennis. You can't play against the same people. I just, I, I golf this weekend and um, my son asked me, he's like, why do you always golf with, with this one friend I was golfing with? And I was like, well, him and I are on the same level. And you're right. When I when I go out with folks that are not on the same level as me and are better than me, it drives me to change the things that I'm doing. It drives right. me to try new things, to try you know uh, different stuff. So I, I think that's a really important thought. I always golf a little bit better when it's somebody I don't know. Right. <laughs> I, I tighten up. I want to. Yeah. I want to get. I want to do it right. You focus. You focus yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. There's For there's sure. there's uh, you know, there's pressure there. So right. That's good. Um. One of the number one questions that we get up and down our network from from new agents to to well-seasoned agents is around mentorship and this idea of either being a mentor or finding the right mentor. Can you share any philosophy or thoughts you have around what it takes to be an effective mentor uh, in, in real estate? I, I think having a conversation just like we're having right now, that's that's a perfect intro to, you know, talking with the new broker and I I'm hiring a, a 22 year old broker who I just interviewed Friday who's going to be a runner for one of my more experienced brokers um, and he and I had the same conversation you and I are having right now pretty much last Friday and so I think that conversation is good for me it you know I remember being a new broker and not really understanding the forms and some of the other things so I think just diving into it and creating mock deals mock lease scenarios where the the new broker has to fill out do the lease form 
do a purchase and sale agreement, deal with deal with some addendums. In 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 my case, I'm in the Seattle market, working through our multiple and how it's it's forms, tools, and how to manipulate forms and things like that is critical. Because I think that gives I'm, you know, I look at it, I'm confident that if a broker or if a client calls me and says, hey, we need a deal written up in two, three hours, because mm-hmm. we want to get something in quickly, I know I can do it. And that's what's, you know, when that comes, when something, when an opportunity like that, that you should be excited about happens to a new broker, and they don't know how to just do the basics, how to utilize the tools and understand the basic forms, that's terrifying. So we don't want, we don't want a terrified broker. We want a confident broker. And I think, you know, I I think just, you know, doing those things, understanding those forms, getting those brokers involved in, you know, a lot of the projects that some of the more experienced brokers don't want to work on a a thousand foot lease or, you know, some of these lower paying projects, but Mm -hmm. you learn a ton. I mean, you learn a ton, you learn personal, personal skills between each other, soft skills. You learn the, you learn how the, how the, the forms work and it, it, it really ramps up the learning curve. And so um, just last year I had a newer broker and her mentor got hurt. And so she was thrown into the fire. Mm -hmm. She had like, they had like five lease deals going on. So her and I just dove into, I had her, I had her fill out the lease forms and then her and I would just go through and review everything. And she learned so much on those five deals. I mean, it was like three years of experience that she learned in a month. Yeah. And um, it was it wasn't easy for me, but it was well worth it. And um, and she's super confident and drafting up her own deals. And when we review them, we see, hey, she's doing it right. So yeah. that's um that 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 really works. That's that's good. I want to recap that for our folks because, like I said, this is a question we get a lot: is how how can I be an effective mentor? I think you captured really well what you stated earlier: of don't get focused on the commission, get a get a lot of practice in these things. And yes, they 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 might be some of the the smaller, more intense. You know, especially I, I found that smaller commission is often first timers doing the the deals, that kind of thing. And so right. you're working with maybe a, a more nervous client you're working with new stuff that you never experienced before so don't get focused on any of the the numbers know that you know you're you're going to find success um and and that the numbers and money are going to follow the other thing that i i think is really cool that you brought up for a mentor to be a good mentor is how do we accelerate what would be the standard learning curve you said that this is a person that got three years of experience in a very short amount of time doing these five deals. So if I'm a mentor, I should be looking for those things that will help take that normal shape of the learning curve and compress it so that my mentee is learning as much as possible in the shortest amount of time possible. Right. And so I think what I would say to do, because you're not always going to have a broker get hurt and you can dive into all these deals, is creating those mock simulated transactions. Mm-hmm. have the have the mentee you know here's the here's the landlord here's the tenant and here's the situation fill out the lease lease form to for this for this scenario and then review it together when you're reviewing and you're you're coaching and and talking to someone whether it's a mentee or a, a new person in your office what does that conversation sound like how are you indicating the things that they can improve at and how are you highlighting the things they did well you know i think if if i 
you know, there's always going to be, you know, when you're new, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. There's going to be a lot of mistakes on those first lease drafts. And I, what, I mean, I just talk about the consequences of those mistakes, mm. you know, just so they understand, you know, if that happened, you know, if you get their proportionate share of the common area wrong and, you know, that could cost the landlord, you know, you're, you're off 2% on the proportionate share because you did the math wrong or weren't really thinking it was critical. That might cost the, the landlord, who knows, two, three, four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000 a year and over a long term of a lease. So when you explain things like that to them, they understand that, you know, every piece of this lease is critical. Every spot that you fill out means something. That's why there's a blank spot there because it, it's a critical term. Yeah. And so you just got to, um, you know, you got to go through it. That's why these scenarios work. You know, you can apply it to real life. Your approach to leadership seems in our conversations to be pretty hands-on, pretty based in experiential learning. Let's make the mistake, understand the consequences of, of you know, what that was, and then not make it again because we've experienced it. We didn't learn it in a, in a classroom. It wasn't philosophical. It was real, tangible. We felt it. Can you talk a little bit more about your leadership philosophy and how you approach leading an organization or a company? You know, I think I, I'm a lead by example person. I think on those, those, those critical terms of the lease agreements, like we were talking about, um, you know, a lot of that is from mistakes that I've made in the last 30 years. So, I mean, I'm trying to teach people from bad things that have happened to me. So that's why it stands out in my mind and it's happened to everybody. Um, so that's, that's important. And we've talked about that. Um, I try to understand the tools that we use. I don't try to be an expert in all these things, mm. but I try to understand at least the basics of all the tools that we use that we talk about in our office meetings, the tools that CBC offers. We're, we're heavy users of all the CBC tools. And so I try to understand those, or I have Jane Thornleeson, you know, help me out and understand mm -hmm. what and how to apply them to different listings. And then I bring those to all of my brokers um, at our office meetings. So try to try to keep them up to date on new tools and technology. And they do the same thing to me too. A lot of them, mm -hmm. it comes back my direction too, quite often. But um, yeah. I think just leading by example um, and under understanding what everybody's up to is, mm -hmm. is critical. Can you, um, thinking about, you know, the next five years, 10 years in our business, um, being with CBC, what's got you excited for the next five years? What's, what's kind of getting your, your passion up right now? You know, now that, you know, I look at the market and where we're at right now, we're in a slowdown. I mean, we've actually been doing really well. We've, we've been pacing 2022, but it is, the market is different. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of opportunities there. I look at it like, what it was like in the 08 recession, I was able to, or we, my team was able to take a lot of listings. We did a lot of land listings and just because nobody even wanted to touch them because there was not a commission check. You know, you weren't going to get paid on these things for five, six, seven years. Right. But we dove into it and we created, we got a lot of listings. We created some great relationships with, with landowners and developers um, that's paying off big time right mm -hmm. now. Um, cause that's the, all of a sudden, and this is, you know, the direction that we talked about that these careers take, you know, look 10 years later and we're doing a lot of multifamily development because we'd have all these land listings and industrial development. So that's, right. 
that happened from that 08 recession. Now we're in kind of that same position and we're looking at, you know, office. And, mm-hmm. and so these office owners of office buildings are scared. They're really scared. And so we're reaching out to them as an opportunity. We look at the, the crummiest part of the market and that could, that's our opportunity. So we, we don't focus all of our time on that, but we try to create relationships and get listings in that office market. And we know it's going to be tough. And so, you know, it's going to be a big communication game and keeping in touch with the owners. So they know that you're doing your best to market their property and get it leased up or get it sold or whatever it is. Um, so I kind of look at that office market as an opportunity. So that's, that's cool. And that's what gets us excited. So down markets, as they say, there's always opportunity in down markets and finding- and, and, and for your cash buyers too, those, those cash buyers that you've got your clients, you know, that's where you want those clients that are, you know, they, they sit around on their pile of cash waiting for these opportunities. Right. And so that's exciting too, to pull those clients out and get them to the forefront and find them, find them some deals. Yeah, that's a that's a an interesting highlight there of of what are those folks that you have cultivated that client relationship with. We've moved them from customer to client. They they're looking for the right opportunity. They trust us, they know us, they like us. And now we're in a market that a lot of those opportunities are coming up. So let's proactively reach out and say, here's what we see, here's what we believe is going to be opportunity for you. And and you can reinforce that relationship even more. Right. Um, yeah. And you know what they like. You know what they right. those, those clients, you know what they want because they they they're all typically they like one food group. And so right. you, just, you just point them to it. And hopefully you hopefully you can find some deals. Absolutely. On the other side of that, what where do you think the, the biggest challenges in our industry are going to pop up in the next five to 10 years and, and how might you prepare for it? Um, you know, it's it's hard to say right now. It's you know, it's just we've been watching the you know, it's like a tide change. I think we're kind of hitting the high tide on the on the interest rates and they're kind of looking like they're going to level out who knows if they're going to come down or we're hoping that they won't go up very much and so with that you've got buyers and sellers kind of settling back in you know sellers were kind of still expecting it's the same in any real estate market residential or commercial sellers were expecting last year's prices and buyers want bargain basement deal and right. i think that's settling into something in the middle and mm-hmm. so you know, I'm, I'm hope that's what got has me scared that if that doesn't happen, what comes out of it? And I don't think right. anybody really knows. Um, but just seeing that play out, I think there's going to be a little back off in price and sellers are for the sellers and buyers are going to realize there's not too many great deals, but there's little money on the table to be made. So, yeah. you know, that's what I think is going to happen. I mean, what I'm worried about in the future, I don't know, you know, there's a lot of loans out there. I mean, we've all talked about it in regards to, um, especially in central business districts all over the United States and the big cities, those, those office buildings that are, they're sucking wind for lack of a better term. And so mm-hmm. I don't know what, how that's going to affect the rest of the market, you know, yeah. when those loans start coming due and they're, they're going to come due, it's inevitable. And we're looking at, I mean, I think we're looking at a 30% reduction in office tenancy long-term. So how is that going to affect the market? And is it going to, you know, of course it's going to affect the office market, 
in especially in CBDs, but how does that affect banks and all these loans that are out there that they're going to have to foreclose? And, you know, is it going to, is it going to turn into, you know, something bad for those banks that have a lot of those loans, are they going to go under? And then is everybody going to make a run on the banks and that those sort of scenarios are what is scary? Yeah, and hopefully the I think there's a little more predictability in that future than than maybe there has been in some of these other um, things that have led to down markets, because like we're talking about it now and everything that we talk about is in 2025 in 2026 a lot of this stuff happens so hopefully folks are working towards insulating themselves and finding the outlets for that when when you look at your company your brokers your business. What are some of those things that you're doing right now to make sure that you are as prepared for any possible future as you can be? For me, it's, I, I need, it's recruiting. <clears throat> it's, you know, it's, and when I, when I recruit brokers, you know, it's kind of like a diversification. And so I just recruited last week, a mergers and acquisitions broker or a business broker, and mm. she's phenomenal. I've referred her so many deals over the last few years. She does a great job, takes care of the client, does everything I'm looking for. Um, and the opportunity came about where she decided to move her license over to, to uh, Coldwell Banker Commercial Danforth. So that was, that, that's a great hire for me. Yeah. That diversifies my team big time because she's right. not just into sales and leasing. She's mergers and acquisitions, and that's a great specialty to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, it's just, you know, for me, it's going to be recruiting, you know, two or three brokers a year, hopefully, because you're going to lose one or two, they're going to retire and different things yeah. are going to happen. But um, that are geographically correct for the team and um, that are experienced and are like-minded. And so that's something that, you know, everybody who works for me, we kind of have the same mindset. You know, we're mm-hmm. team players We're you know, we don't, you know, we, we share and you know, just all the basics. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think just diversifying your crew and adding, you got to add people because you're going to, that adds GCI. And so you're just trying to create, you know, you're just trying to create predictable GCI every year. And right. so years gone by when I was smaller, we'd have a great year, we'd have a down year. We'd have a great year, we'd have a down year because we're, you know, it's just a few people working. And, you know, you're in, in our industry, you know, a lot of deals are a year, year and a half in the making. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah, you're going to have a great year. And then you're the next year, it's going to be down because you're waiting for those other deals to close again. So right. getting the right mix of brokers and the right number is is key and diversifying. Yeah. Is there anything you leverage from CBC to help with that recruiting effort? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I utilize, um, you know, all our tools, build out, you name it, our websites. I can't wait to get our local website. That'll be great addition, but to the mm-hmm. national website, our local website that's coming down the pike will help me a little bit more. We've, I think as the board of advisors members, that's one of the things that we did, you know, five, six years ago <clears throat> is we boiled down all the tools. We had, we had a huge menu of tools. Mm-hmm. It was too many and no, and they, and they really weren't being utilized. We boiled it down to you know, 10, 10 or less. And now we've got some really great effective tools that they've negotiated good deals on and they're included in our franchise fees. And so they're free to the, our brokers and um, they're very useful. So that's, very that's good. the main thing. And the yeah. name, I mean, I've been Coldwell Banker my whole life, mm-hmm. you know, my whole career. 
And that's what I mean, we talked about right out of the gate. You know, what, yeah. what why did I start a commercial division? Because I was getting all these calls from these people asking me commercial questions because I worked at Coldwell Banker, you know, and, and that's, you know, those are the, I mean, we talk about it all the time, but it's the, the, we, Coldwell Banker commercial tends to serve the moms and pops, the main street of the nation. And mm-hmm. so um, that's, those were the people calling me before I bought the franchise. And that's what made me buy the franchise. Yeah. The name. So. Yeah, I love that the the brand recognition and that that idea that we are it is it is the serving the the, the main street audience and 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 who's on the front line those folks that don't do these types of transactions every single day and need an expert and need somebody that genuinely cares for them I think that that is synonymous with our brand and and it sounds like you're leveraging that which is great as we come into our last few minutes here any other thoughts or 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 uh, uh, closing bits of philosophy that that our listeners should know and and uh, uh, hear from you? Yeah. I mean, one thing that we haven't touched on is, um, you know, we've got a very successful top 15 commercial brokerage in Coldwell Banker Commercial Danforth, but we also have a residential firm, a Coldwell Banker Danforth of 320 some odd agents. And my success is, uh, you know, we get a lot of referrals from those agents. Mm. And uh, we, I spend a lot of time in front of those agents at office meetings, um, promoting the commercial department. You know, we're not a resident, a resumercial commercial department. We're a hundred percent commercial and we get, you know, and that's something that I preach to our residential brokers is that, you know, we're another tool in your tool belt. You need to talk to your clients about commercial real estate because it can help make you a few more checks every year. And so we team with a lot of residential brokers out there and it creates a lot of GCI again for our our, our overall company. And um, you know, you look out there, and I see a lot of other owners of Coldwell Bankers or other any anywhere. If that's a any anywhere brand out there, if you're over 300 brokers, or you know, you should really be considering having a CBC franchise because GCI is just going out your door because they're referring it to other commercial firms. Right. And you're missing a huge opportunity as an owner of a residential company. So yeah. that's that's my sales pitch for the day. Absolutely. That's uh, that's welcome and appreciated. And and again, to recap to some of the thoughts here, number one, that that idea of referring and making sure that you have specialists and folks who are dedicated to commercial real estate that you're referring those things to because they will take great care of your clients and ultimately build the entire brand together working with that referral system. Number two, yeah. you talked about recruiting and that being a really important piece of the business to ensure consistent and steady GC. You also talked about uh, some of the philosophy and approach to our business and and that idea that we need to be aligned with our purpose and and always rediscovering that and have systems in place to discover when we're moving away from our purpose. So thank you, Bob, for everything that you've given us today. A ton of great wisdom and thought in terms of not only new to the business, but seasoned agents, folks that, that are looking to maybe rediscover their own purpose in our industry. So thank you. I appreciate the conversation. And I know that our listeners did too. Uh, thank you for being here. Great. Thanks for having me. It was uh, fun. I love talking commercial real estate. It's easy. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Very good. Well, thanks. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Josh.